how are you? Yeah, I've got a beer. Ooh, I've got Ribena. No. Have you? You know one not having beer. You've got one in. I got I got a beer especially. I got the orders in. I know, I don't know why I didn't. This is a Liberation Ale. That sounds it's, good. It's got a uh, really badly photoshopped label of Montgomery and Eisenhower sharing a beer together. I see. On the front. And it's brewed down in um, Southwark, which is uh, Fairham. Okay. Not far from here. A local beer. That's nice. Is it a decent drop? It is very bitter. It's um, got uh, American hops, yeah. Liberty hops. Yeah. Welcome to North v South, the podcast about, but not about design. And this is episode 96 with Rob Turpin and John Elliman. Good evening, John. Good evening, Robert. It's not a good country to be in at the moment, is it? Do you know, it's, there's just, whatever you're doing and thinking, there is this 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 underlying kind of sense of dread about the state of things, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And it really is inescapable. It's just yep. kind of like there, just like a little albatross around your neck. We're going to see that, the Dracula effect, aren't we, of uh, culture starting to reflect. Yeah. Well, I mean, it already, already is to some extent, but... Yeah, probably. Oh, well, let's not dwell on... Um, Yes, we've got lots of cheery things. You've got dystopian nightmares <laughs> in this week's episode. Um, so, yes, what have you been up to? Let's cut straight to that. Well, it's been quiet on the work front. I've had um, no commissions to work on. So I've been doing bits for Patreon, vaguely trying to plan Inktober. But I still can't really decide what I'm doing. If I should do it, I'm a, I've had a kind of a, a really busy couple of months with weddings that have been quite stressful, and it's kind of meant that I haven't really done much drawing, and I just kind of feel out of the out of the swing of it. I'm finding it quite tricky to get back into the swing of it. So maybe, uh, maybe that's the perfect tonic then. Well, maybe, maybe, but then you know you have to pick something that's not going to be stressful it's going to be fun and you can enjoy because there's no point you know if you've been struggling with confidence as i have for the last few weeks art wise there's no point diving into october and beating yourself up about it um so yeah i still can't really decide what i'm doing i mean i think it's it's likely that i'll do um the dylan thomas under milkwood themed thing i think which mm-hmm. should be quite fun. Just a list of characters in that is, is good fun. So drawing all their dwellings should be all right. Uh, what else have I been doing? I'm still reading Provenance by Anne Leckie, which uh, is very good. It's a bit like uh, we both read The um, uh, Consuming Empire, didn't we, by John Scalzi, which was the second in that his latest series, and it was very about kind of space politics and yeah, more machinations of, of yeah, the machinations of family and stuff. And this is kind of similar. I mean, it's set against a backdrop of aliens and everything else that Anne Leckie throws at her books. But um, yeah, it's very much um, sort 
sort of political intrigue and scheming and stuff. But it's good. I have to confess, I've never read an Anne Leckie book. Oh, have you not? I, I thought I you'd think read I might have started one. Is it set in Brazil or some? Is there like a new Brazil? Mm. I don't. That doesn't mm. ring a bell. No. Um, ancillary justice, ancillary mercy, and ancillary sword. Those are the ones, are they? Uh, yeah, they're brilliant. Okay. Uh, it's about a sentient spaceship that gives up her spaceship body and gets put into the body of a human. Okay. And it's their fab. Yeah, very good. Uh, what else have I been doing? I, uh, I watched John Wick 3. Have you seen any of the Wick films? Funny you should write that because I watched two of them over the weekend. Ah. I'd never seen them before. Would that have been before. one and two? Yes. I, I They're saw um, entertaining, aren't they? Yeah, the first one was great and made me laugh a lot. Uh, yeah. The fact that he's, um, you killed my dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I really loved it and I loved it. It's very Hong Kong style, Korean yeah. um, fight scenes. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it, but the second one just is more of the same and yeah. it doesn't really move on much. I thought no. it would be more interesting, but it wasn't. The, th- the third one's pretty good. It's it's better than two. Um, and the fight scenes just get kind of crazier. Mm. Um, but yeah, the uh, the fight choreography deserves an Oscar. Yeah. I would say for this particular one sort of 10 minute section in the third film that's just astonishing. Well worth a watch. Um, that's kind of that's kind of it. Yeah, that's all I've done. It's a funny that time of weddings. year. Yeah, it's sort it of is. the come down from summer and then ramping up to whatever ne- the next project is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, what about you? Well, I've been mean, just general design block. Really, um, we were talking about lack of creativity and just you know how you can immerse yourself in other jobs that don't actually need a lot of design work doing to them. But um, I've got quite a lot of design work on now. And so I found it, re- I found it really, really difficult to yeah. focus on designing. I've got a lot of design work to do. So I've been breaking down multiple jobs into small sort of sprint mm-hmm. type chunks, but it means you, you never get anything finished. <laughs> and it's really frustrating because I've just got jobs that just seem to never, ever end. Yeah. I've always got one more request, one more change, one more thing. And it's so boring. Um, yeah, I'm, f- I'm, um, so I'm really struggling with that and, uh, just been sort of working and trying to work out making patterns out of geometric shapes and trying to fit them into this brand that's already been designed. It's, it's really tricky. Mm. Um, so it's been a lot of iteration, but doing that, I've wasted a lot of time and yeah. I've now got deadlines for other things. So it's, I see. yeah, it's, it's difficult being a multi sort of faceted little one man band. I, I wish I could just concentrate on one thing. Mm. Um, but personally, I can't do that because I'm too much of a magpie. It's not, it's not necessity or that I, I don't want to, but it's a lack of talent in one particular area. Yeah. <laughs> it means I have to <laughs> spread myself thin. I don't know if it's that. Um, I think it's just, uh, I, I think it's clients, isn't it, that kind of cling on to you. And I, I wonder how the big studios work it when they do, a, I don't know, a rebrand for a, for a big, big company that they just say, we're going to do this. We're going to support you rolling it out for three months and then 
find someone cheaper to, to do yeah. the everyday stuff. I think that happens a lot, it's doesn't weird, it? Mustn't it? Um, but yeah, so I, I found that really, especially with brain, like what I'd call a storm in my brain at the moment, mm. it's very tricky. Um, but uh, I'm getting help for that. And <laughs> so hopefully I will see a uh, an improvement. Um, to hear it. So uh, yeah, the the jobs that never end is the is the sort of the bugbear at the moment. Mm. Um, and I've been kind of working on my my own branding for my own business. I'm simplifying it and hoping to relaunch it at some point in the future. Cool. But whenever that will be is who knows. But I've been working on that as well. And as everybody knows, working on your own layout is the most painful yes. process ever. Um, so I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible um, and just remind myself about typesetting and all sorts of things I haven't really touched on. Uh, and you just you just start forgetting um, if you're not in at the coalface every every day of doing graphic yeah. design, you start forgetting, you know, why you p- fit particular typefaces together, why you um, lay lay out things in a certain way. It's really easy to just rely on the same, the thing that you did before um, mm. and not push yourself, not try new typefaces or new styles or anything like that. Um, yeah, I can understand that completely. That's one of the, just the perils of working on your own, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It would be nice to, uh, to, to share some stuff with people um, mm. occasionally. Uh, I'm, I'm just not good on the old social media thing. I find it really hard. I, I, um, but I need to. I need to get better at it. A lot of people use it as a support network, don't they? They do. I mean, I you know I don't really see many other people uh, kind of you know in the creative industry. So without Twitter, I'd I'd be like a little recluse professionally. Hmm. So well, that's what yeah. I am. <laughs> so it definitely helps me, um, even if it's just a conversation about I don't know films or. Music or anything, or three D printers, Rob. Yes, I've uh, I've been playing a little bit. How's it going? A huge amount of time. Really, I've, really I've good. seen your tiny tank. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, the yeah the quality is outstanding. It's a lot more chemically fiddly than I kind of thought. Mm. Um, cleaning and all that kind of stuff is pretty yeah. particularly nasty. You really need a a lot of gloves and I don't how, know how do you sort of empty the the vat then you do, pour do you it. empty it or do you just leave it can you just no, leave it standing it'll there? set it'll oh, okay. st- um, you pour it back into the bottle um, mm. through a filter but then everything that you, that it touches has got to be either cured and thrown away well, that would be the best way of doing mm. it because um, resin is filthy stuff yeah but I don't know how environmentally f- friendly this this whole thing is um, if that f- fills me full of sort of a little bit of dread. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely easier, um, than the other style, but, um, the, the detail is incredible. And I, I see like, um, you know, the potential for it in, in the future is, is insane. What it, what it will be able to do. Yeah. If we get that far. We're still, we're still <laughs> at the beginning of it, aren't we? Very much so. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I've been playing around with that. Uh, other things I've been doing. Um, oh, you haven't finished yours yet. Didn't have I? You? Yeah, I oh, think so. Yeah. Uh, what have we been doing? I started watching Succession, which is a, I'm not sure if it's HBO. It might is be Sky kind of Atlantic. Murdochian. Yeah. Thing. 
Uh, didn't think I'd like it at all. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, in a kind of Sopranos type of, you know, a, a, a litany of characters who mm-hmm. are just, who are j- just vile, but actually you find yourself, um, you know, backing one or two of them. But yeah, it's just a family of, um, of media sort of multi billionaires yeah. in New York and just the internecine kind of, uh, rivalry between them when the head of the family becomes incapacitated. Mm. Uh, very stylish. I have heard very good things. Lots about of it. handheld shots and yeah. really nicely, really refreshingly filmed. Actually, it's very. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of improvisation going on. Okay. Um. And uh, what else? Oh, I watched. Uh, there's a new series for all designers out there of Abstract. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of them. But I find them a bit. Uh, nice. Uh, they're not very edgy, but they are beautifully made. They and are. I watched they? the one with Jonathan Hoffler. Yeah, um, I just watched that as well, and really enjoyed it. He came across as a, a just an endlessly fascinating chap. Um, they didn't, but they 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 touched on his previous um, relationship with his ex partner, which all went horribly wrong. Mm. But uh, but it wasn't really about that. It was about no. the joy of the joy of type design and, and just how technical and, um, and incredibly skilled the people are who work in it, uh, in, in typeface manufacturing. It was fascinating. And, uh, it is beautifully done. Just, the uh, the whole format of them. I really like, they're very relaxing to watch, even though they're sort of fascinating. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're a really good series. Those. Yeah, because they kind of, um, they, I don't know if anybody's seen them, but they, 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 they bounce between the narrative of, of sort of Vox Pop type in interviews, but then suddenly some, something on their desk or, or an animation of something might just jump out and then become a full animation into the next scene in yeah. which the, um, the, you know, the, the, the interviewee will be involved in it somehow on a blue screen and then they will cut back to, you know, a shot of, New York or whatever, but it's it's really cleverly done. Yeah. Um, but it is just a bit nice. It is, but I guess it's about it's a it's more about the work than it is about the people, isn't it? In yeah. some ways, isn't it? So yeah, enjoyed that. Mm. And what else have been I've been reading um I've read just read Keith Douglas's From Alamein to Zemzem, which I'm only mentioning here because it's uh, Keith Douglas was a war poet in the Second World War. Okay. Uh, fought with the Yorkshire Yeomanry he was a tank commander. So I thought it might be of interest oh, to you. Wow. Um, and it's a fantastic book that because it's got snippets of his poet, his, his incredible poetry in, in it, but also lots of little hand drawings. And there's a Faber and Faber edition. And I'm, I think it might be sold out, but you can get it on um, a books or, you know, a secondhand bookshop, but it's, it's quite pricey. But um, I just read it on Kindle and had the drawing. So I really want to get a copy of the a proper copy yeah. of it. Um, it's but, weird. You don't really hear much about World War Two poets, do you? No, um, and he is seen as one of the most important ones now. And he was a very, uh, a very spiky character. Uh, didn't really sit well with all the Etonian um, tank commanders in that were mm. in the yeomanry. Who all, you know, it, it was a sort of a country gentleman's regiment mm. that got, got converted to tanks and um, just has suffered horrendous. Uh, attritional losses, but yeah, it's um, it's it's a great book. 
recommended. Mm. Five stars. Five stars. Double Five thumbs stars. up. Excellent. Got any news? Yeah, got some news. Russell up some news. Some sad news to begin with. Uh, Vim Crowell, a legendary Dutch designer, co-founder of Total Designers, died. He was 90. Uh, he was he was an absolute legend, sort of typographer and type designer and designer. Just beautiful work and it kind of was one of the designers responsible for putting Dutch design on the map, particularly with the founding of Total Design, which was a studio that really was created because there were no kind of big, powerful agencies that could compete for big work uh, against the kind of US and British design agencies in the 60s. So kind of, you know, big Dutch corporations were, were going to US and British agencies for all their work. And Vim Crowell was one of the designers who decided to set up a studio to to rival them. Right. And um, and it did. And the work they produced was uh, really kind of fantastic work. And yeah, so it's sad that there's a, we're going to stick a little, there's a profile video of Vim Crowell. So we'll stick on the show notes. What a, lo- well what a lovely look. bloke he comes across as in yeah, that interview. He is. I, I didn't, I mean, I only knew him from typefaces that he'd mm. made, but um, I didn't know anything about his, his career. Um, but yeah, uh, lots of uh, outpourings of, um, of affectionate sort of Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah, he just seemed to be a really, really lovely guy. Um, there's a, uh, an exhibition of his work on at the Design Museum uh, quite a few years ago now when it was still. Um, down by the Thames. Uh, and it was a fantastic exhibition of all his typeface design and sketchbooks. And it's just fantastic to see kind of how he goes about the process of designing type. A little bit like um, uh, Jonathan Heffler, you know, kind of sketching out little ideas and kind of snippets of a, a typeface and little elements that interest him and he thinks might have legs. Yeah, so. it's wor- working on the working on the problems first mm. and solving them, and then everything else falls into place. And he says that he, uh, in the little interview, he says that he sees, you know, he'll think about it for days or or even weeks, and it will become the design becomes fully formed in his head. Yeah, um, and that's that's. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to <laughs> to any of them, but that is how I design: is yeah. ideas, scribbling, and mm-hmm. then a walk, and then the thinking about the solution and that it will normally come to me fully formed my you know i don't sit fiddling for yeah. a long time um although i have been recently but that's for other reasons but they, they, yeah that, it, it is interesting isn't it because there's another uh, just one of my news items which sort of carries on from this is uh, daniel benoith gray posted a twitter a tweet um a while ago saying um uh quoting somebody called alexandra lang and it was a uh, the visualization of time and how do people visualize time in their heads? That's a and fascinating little thread. It's brilliant. And well, I'll put the, again, the link will go into the show notes, but it's that kind of, how do you visualize concepts and, mm. and how do those concepts, you know, a lot of people would sketch them out and plan them and, but, or he, you know, Vim, what's his face? Vim Crowell, saw, yeah. saw them fully formed in a three dimensional, you know, space. Yeah. Um, how do you see time? If you, uh, I see it as a line. Yeah. Just to to explain, some of the people in this thread, someone's asked if how they 
visualized time. And I think it's because her husband, yeah, my husband thinks of the year as a wheel with Christmas at the top. Um, and she thinks of the year as a stack of 12 rectangles with January at the top. And I just kind of see it as a, a line, January at the beginning and December at the end. And mine's a circle. Oh, is it? I, I'm with I'm with her husband. Yeah, yeah, but mine's the other way around. It's summer, kind of uh, between ten o'clock and twelve o'clock on a clock, mm-hmm. and Christmas is down sort of five till six o'clock. So it's on a slight angle, um, okay. almost like a. Uh, That's the weirdest thing about that, John. <laughs> I know, but it's almost like a rotating hub, like a uh, you know Ian Banks. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Uh, world and that and that's where i see all the dates on it it's quite strange isn't it that it's not something you think about uh how you visualize certain things i would imagine there's a lot more questions you can ask and and the results you'd get from different people would be you know wildly different yeah but yeah i, th- I found that absolutely fascinating i'll have to ask steph when she gets back how she visualizes <laughs> it uh yeah it's good that we spoke about uh, this news item a long time ago, Somerset House. Um, mm-hmm. They were going to offer up um, working space for oh, yeah. designers. Well, they are actually going ahead with it now. Okay. It's called Somerset House Exchange. And I I saw it in the news and I thought, you know what, this, this is going to be outrageous. But um, it's really reasonable. Uh, the, um, the prices range from £60 a month up to £325 a month for a fixed desk. Um, there's loads of facilities. There's showers, postal service, it's bike storage. It's in a perfect part of London if you come from south. Six, hang on, 60 quid a month for yeah, a that, desk at Somerset House? It's You've got seats that you can choose from. So, um, okay. And I don't know how many hours you get for that. Right. Um, I don't know what that would be, but they haven't firmed up everything um you can have unlimited membership um where you wow. get on round the clock membership for 270 pounds a month so for startups and little businesses that's a really reasonable yeah offer I'm, for I'm, even you know even for me you know if i wanted to go up and have a meeting in london yeah. having that membership would be pretty good and and the kind of people that you're going to meet in there is is uh it's going to be an interesting bunch of people i'd mm. thought so well done to somerset house for Getting that, uh, pitching it exactly the right point, I think. Yeah, you know. really good. Yeah, I was thinking it would be, you know, a couple of thousand a month for yeah. a, a desk and yeah, all that absolutely. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, another design uh, sort of hub doing really good job and much better than London, I think, is Design Manchester have announced their lineup for mm-hmm. um, uh, for their, sh- their celebration of all things design. They've got some good names lined up including Paul Asher and Heatherwick Studio are doing talks there. I don't know what the dates are. Oh, it's the 22nd of November. Yeah. And uh, I like what they're doing. With mm. I just think it's more interesting and more engaging than than the London design. Well, we've talked about Design Birmingham as well, haven't we? Yeah. Um, which always gets kind of rave reviews from from the industry for being a well-organised I think it's because they're, they're smaller places. They can yeah. really need, they can concentrate on a niche area of, mm. of design. Um, and I think the problem with London is that it tries to cover too many, like we spoke about last yeah. week, it, it took too many disciplines are trying to, it tries to cover. It's like the design museum. It doesn't work because it doesn't concentrate on, on the act of design. It, it concentrates on the world of design and yeah. that doesn't really work to, mm. for me anyway. No, not for me. Uh, but yeah, design Manchester looks good. Uh, I've got uh, an article that I came across, can't quite remember where, um, 
might have been SwissMiss.com, actually. Um, and it's a bit of clickbaity title, which is why every CEO needs to think like a hacker, stalker, or white nationalist. What? But it's a really interesting article. It's about uh, in the kind of rush to get products, particularly digital products and platforms, out into the world, uh, the people who create them concentrate very much on uh, um, putting in uh, things that that the the end user is gonna is gonna use, but they don't consider how they can be misused. Um, so uh, there's a quote in here. After all, surely we know that in 2019. We should absolutely consider and build sufficient safeguards against potential bad actors. To cite a few obvious examples, it would have been smart to think ahead about how neo-Nazis might use Twitter or how paedophiles might use YouTube or how a mass murderer might use Facebook Live. And it's just a, an interesting article about how in some areas of tech, in terms of security, you have, is it is it Red Hat players, uh, kind of Red Hat coding people who who look at security and kind of try and, you know, hack uh, okay. a system so you can know how to defend against it. Um, and in the military, you have uh, sort of similar things where you kind of role play or, or game out um, what the bad guys might do. But you don't get it in these kind of really uh, quick to market tech businesses. Um, and it's just a, a really interesting article on that should be part of the kind of process and part of the foundations of a company that you should consider how your product might be used for ill. Yeah. It's, no? uh, I, well, I, I, I agree that that is, that is the case, but sometimes, sometimes these things are created out of not create, not, creating you know they had to have an end goal in insight it's just a kind of absolutely the joy of creation yeah um but does design need to become that cynical well i mean this isn't just about design if you're creating a product you need to know if it can be used for yeah yeah. It's bad actors, a new word that I've completely missed here. Is it's, this like it's woke? New, or, isn't it? It's yeah? a new Americanism. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So it just means baddies, bad yes. people. Bad people. Right. Why can't we just say potentially, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Perverting yeah. our language. But it's a good article. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll link to that, even if John thinks it's ridiculous. Uh, no, I think that's a really that's a really fascinating yeah. article, and I think it, that that designers do have a responsibility as being. Um, but but I think cynicism sometimes isn't a great creative uh, stepping off point. It's not, but I um, guess uh, you know if you're a startup thinking about the the right new digital platform for something, yeah, you don't need to stymie your kind of designers and creatives with that. It's another department who then you know, pushes back. Yeah. You, know, you can still let people have their head, but whether or not that everything makes it to the final product should be thought about. Yeah. There is this tendency and especially in digital or um, in tech as well is to, you know, be skipping through the, 
the digital daisies, isn't it? Yeah. You know, not actually thinking about what's going to be done with that particular uh, device. Yeah. Talking of devices, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nokia are still designing super cool old-fashioned phones. Who, to- who are Nokia these days? <laughs> I thought they'd gone. I thought Microsoft bought them. And then, and then they closed. There's someone else bought the Nokia brand, and he's maybe knocking um, out phones. But it's nice. It's a, basically they've released uh, to the classic um, flip phone. I never had a flip phone, so I was no, me neither. But um, they've added 4G to it. But it is a beautiful looking object that is interesting and just so different to the you know, sort of ubiquitous glass plate yeah. that. Uh, phones are now um yeah i think it's i think it's cool that they're still making these these kind of retro there is phones. something cool about these these kind of simpler less flashy phones oh i think they i think they look awesome yeah which is uh entirely different to the other link you've put yeah so chow chow me Oh, I don't Xiaomi. know. Uh, they're a, a Chinese manufacturer who the are the one that who, begins with an X. Yeah, who have been um, who've been is that how you say it? Chow. I, I've no I think it's a ch sound. They, they've been um, accused uh, uh, of just blatantly ripping off Apple while yeah. they um, while they learn their their trade. Mm. But they've come out with this thing called a um, a Mix Alpha. Um, the Mi Mix Alpha it is, and imagine a phone with the screen all the way round it. It's nuts. It literally wraps around the edge like a, an infinity pool. And the screen is also on the back. So yeah. all the camera controls are the screen. It's incredible. I mean, it's so <laughs> sci-fi. It just looks like something out of, yeah, uh, the Avengers. I or, bet it's glitchy as hell. Because yeah. they always seem to be really glitchy, these phones with wraparound screens. But it looks incredible. Yeah. Um, and those are the sort of the two edges of cutting edge phone design i guess yeah. uh, that the, um you know now you've got apple and google or whatever, whoever making just black squares or black rectangles and the new apple phone is so ugly the three i don't mind thing, it don't i was just reading an article about it a review of it saying that it's triggering i can't remember what the phobia is called but this fear of holes that some people have right. and it's apparently quite a big thing and some people are freaking out they can't bear to look at it because it's got these three um, camera uh, lenses on the back, <laughs> but uh, very strange. But just going back to the uh, that film we were just talking about in this Verge article about it, there's some little uh, embedded gifs or videos showing it in use, and they are so cool. The charging, there's, the charging one, <laughs> it's amazing. So the, the phone is kind of lying down. And it looks like it's filling up with this glowing liquid as it charges. Yeah, that is. That, That's a very beautiful use. I, I don't know of what the use of having technology. a side side bit is. Um, you know, you don't often put your your uh, your phone in a bookshelf, do you? Yeah. But, but <laughs> I imagine that uh, as a kind of nighttime thing. Yeah, I like time it a lot. on the side or whatever. Yeah, but it's very clever. Yeah, very very cool. Uh, what else have I got? Uh, there's a podcast. Uh, I'd say it's, pod- it's a new podcast, but it's not. It's uh, a podcast that's returning after 10 years. And it's uh, by John Hicks and uh, John O'Kay. I don't know who John O'Kay is. Do you know who John O'Kay is? 
No. Uh, anyway, it's the Rissington podcast, and they're back with episode twenty-one. But it's ten years since their oh. last. Was that the episode. guy? Was that the guy who was in it before? I don't. I think so. It? Yeah, I think it's the same he, guys. They used to share a studio space in Rissington, which is an old RAF RAF place. Yeah, place. Is, yeah. Um, I don't remember his name being okay. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's the same. Yeah. The same people, and it's a really. Lovely podcast. I mean, I do, I hadn't listened to it before, so I only know it from this episode. And it's very much kind of a they say ten years of housekeeping is discussed because they that you know they're catching up on each other and what they've been doing, and they're talking a little bit about how design has changed from uh, when they were last podcasting, and that is it's very much a a web um, and digital based kind of design talk. But they talk about all all sorts of other stuff as well. I mean, there's a, quite a long discussion about eggs and hollandaise, okay, which is marvellous. You know, <laughs> um, I'm all for that. Um, so that's definitely a podcast worth listening to. The Rissington Podcast. dot uh, uk. Excellent. Uh, hosted on Fireside, just like us. I like to hear podcasts that don't talk about their actual subject matter. Yes. Why not? Eh? I've been listening to uh, uh, a great podcast over the last nine days. Um, mm-hmm. The one I mentioned last week, which is called We Have Ways of Making You Talk, which is James Holland and Al Murray. Yeah. Uh, and they've been in Arnhem because they've been celebrating the 75-year anniversary of the uh, the Bridge Too Far disaster for the uh, British yeah. era. Um, and uh, doing a daily podcast from there. And it's been absolutely fantastic. Really, really oh, recommend yeah. listening to that. Did you see the the guy from the 101st Airborne, the 98-year-old jumping out? Oh, I did. I saw that on the news. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Good on him, eh? What a dude. Yeah. Um, have you got any other news, Jonathan? Yes. Um, I've got a Kickstarter that I'm actually going to back because I want to buy one. Um just for for uh, for family members it's called um it's called power up 4 and it's been on there before it's uh, basically you can convert a paper aeroplane into a flying uh, smartphone controlled um remote control aeroplane cool and so it's so clever and so um it balances itself out so cleverly using software which is built into a little sort of head unit that sits at the front of the cool, aeroplane yeah. you can fly a lettuce leaf wow <laughs> i did wonder why that was in there um yeah it's so a they cool do in the video thing. and i have to say that the product video for it is really funny because it starts off uh, you thinking this is for this is serious? Oh my god! Why you know the plinky plonky music and yeah. the kind of like big up about the whole product, and it just actually turns out to be very tongue in cheek. Oh and, cool! Um, they have raised that. out of their thirty two thousand. Just seen that they've raised half a million quid. Wow! So for I think it's forty dollars. Yeah, fifty dollars you can get a hold of the uh, hold of the bare bones kit, and I think it would be fun. Yeah. It's got, great. got wheels and lights and all sorts. Love it. And then another one I've got is uh, things that um, haven't been done for a while is uh, that I've done lots of Kickstarters, but uh, Lego that we always do. Mm-hmm. But Lego have run are running their first ever sort of brand campaign for, a, well, not first ever, but it's it says here in the article it's 30 years. I'm not sure how true that is. Um, and it's a very strange take on the whole Lego brand because no... There is absolute absence of Lego products in the adverts. Yeah. 
Um, it's a Fren- French-made advert, just using actors. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure whether I guess it's it, the, the kind of thirty-year thing that they were quite famous in the seventies, weren't they, for the their print adverts, Lego, um, particularly kind of the. Um, you know, Lego is, Lego is for boys and girls kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think they've won quite awards and it's very well thought of. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it'd be kind of cool to see them just celebrating Lego it's, rather it, than, you know, advertising the latest Marvel tie-in. I have to say, I wonder, it's, um, it's uh, the French agency called BTC and um, the film is called Rebuild the World. And it's a live action kind of little film um of sort of actors dressed as lego characters the problem with it is obviously it's novel and interesting but it doesn't really it's not really kid friendly it's not doesn't really capture the whole essence of creative building and i wonder whether this has backfired a little bit because all of the print ads and the uh billboard campaigns etc etc are using lego now to advertise the new brand thing so i wonder whether the film hasn't really worked um it's you know i don't know i can't i can't i don't think it works for kids that's I, I, well i guess that's the thing isn't it you you're appealing to the people who buy the lego for the kids yeah yeah and you're appealing to the the kids themselves the kids see adverts in print where would no. they see them don't know. no i don't think they would would they no. uh I, lego's becoming um very much a kind of Less of a creative sort of um, toy, more of more of a collect and build. Yeah, well, they certainly go for the the big, the big kind of collectible things, don't they? There's that new Star Wars Star Destroyer that's seven hundred quid and weighs twenty five pounds. But you only get like three figures with it, or something. Two. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can't play with it. Can shouldn't you? it come with like forty, fifty figures? Exactly. Well, the stand for it is built in because it's so heavy. Yeah. The stand is you have to build the stand and then you build the spaceship around the stand so no, it doesn't it should, come off. It should come with loads loads of things. Yeah. And and one of the latest ones I saw, which is a really weird segue for them, is Lego Central Perk, the park out yeah, of the, I saw that. the, the cafe friends. out of friends. Yeah. What's that all about? I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. Talking mm. of strange decisions. I've got loads of things here, haven't I? Rethink of Canada, who are an ad agency, I guess. Um, they have um, created a sticker, a sort of new limited edition branding for the the, the classic Heinz ketchup bottle yeah. by turning the labels at an angle so that it pour, um, and then the sentences pour perfectly. Um, I think this is terrible. <laughs> it's just a silly little gimmick to get some column inches, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks great when you turn it, but the hand would be covering the label, so you'd never see it. Yeah. Um, and when it sits on the shelf, there's ones of, obviously, it's sitting on a, stacked on a supermarket shelf. It looks terrible. It looks like all the stickers are wonky. Yeah. It. I don't know. It's just, a, it's nicely executed. I just think it's a bad original idea. Yeah, and I, I saw guess it's w- just a way to get attention. Exactly. But the brand doesn't need attention, no. does it? I saw it a week or so ago and didn't think... I kind of thought it was just a gimmicky, you know, one-off thing. I didn't realise they were actually producing it. Yeah, I don't know how how much it's yeah. been produced. I Maybe mean, six it might bottles. just be in, yeah, <laughs> just those ones on a <laughs> some on like shelf. corner shop. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very weird. So the world's going to end, John. Yeah, we all know that. You know, the sun is going to go 
red giant, it'll boil off the oceans and desiccate the earth before eventually swallowing it. Um, but before that happens, there's an awful lot of ways for civilization to end. Nuclear war, asteroids, um, pandemic. Uh, but I think one of Bre- the most... Brexit. Brexit, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most uh, likely ways for civilization to come crashing down, at least temporarily, is in a uh, solar superstorm. So these are big kind of explosive events on the surface of the sun that happen all the time. But obviously for them to affect the earth, we have to be kind of positioned around the sun at the, the right or, you know, worst possible point for it to um, hit the earth. And it's a, a, there's a really interesting article here. There's a thing called the Carrington event uh, of 1859, which is supposed to have kind of, traditionally held as the most powerful superstorm that we've we've experienced. And this article kind of talks about that, but it talks about another one from 1921, which they've kind of managed to dig up some other um, uh, readings and uh, um, measures of the intensity of it. And they think it's at least as powerful as the Carrington event. So these superstorms, they set off Aurora at the equator, not just at the poles, they can knock satellites out. They were responsible for burning down a Swedish telephone exchange. Uh, the, 19, limbs. I know, the 1921 event was known as a New York railroad, railroad storm because it affected all the kind of electric that ran the railways. Um, and there's little we can do. We can't avoid them. And there's not masses of stuff that we can do to kind of harden our systems against them. So it's kind of a matter of when this happens and just how bad it's going to be. So, yeah, I thought I'd just throw that in because um, it's an interesting article and um, we need to think of uh, something other than Brexit that's going to depress us. And I'm guessing in um, 1859, Hmm. there wasn't a huge amount of electricity or, 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 or... I don't know, that kind of stuff that's going to burst into uh, Yeah, exactly. Telephones were kind of, were they around in 1859? But it was kind of uh, the uh, telegram wires and telegraph wires and stuff. Um, But yeah, now, you know, we we could be left without GPS, Facebook, TV, Facebook. Yeah. Hooray. How do we get it? How how would you survive without Snapchat, John? I'd survive very well without um, electricity. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I don't want to depress anyone, but it's an interesting. So when's this going to? Ha- when's this happening? Well, we're kind of overdue, right? So any time, really. Yeah. We uh, we we dodged a bullet in the I don't know reasonably recently. Two thousand and twelve. It says here. Yeah. When uh, right. there was a big a big eruption, but it missed the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I look uh, forward to it. <coughs> Any more news from you, Jonathan? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. I think I'm, um, I'm, I'm all out. Do you all have out. a website of the week? It's a continuation of finding nice studios and work that I like. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not even sure where I found this. Uh, they're called Supple Studio. They're based in Bath. I really like that website. I think mm. as, as a way of presenting a portfolio, yes, it follows a trope that is 
you know, fairly ubiquitous, um, but their work is super strong. It has a really common theme to it. And uh, I just wanted to shout them out. I think it's, I think it's a nice site. It is. It's very nice. Very simple, very easy to yeah. browse through. It looks like they've got a nice culture. That's um, it. That's one of the things that fascinates me when I look at studios' websites is it's how is it written? How do they come across? Not just the quality of their work, but kind of what is their, not their ethos, but just kind of what you, you can get an idea of what it'd be like to work with or for them. Can't you generally from the, the language they use and stuff. And, uh, Supper Studios just sounds like a really lovely place to work. Yeah, it does. It does. Plus, it's got a nice little bit on why don't they, why they don't free pitch, which is always good. It's a strong site, and I and I'm going to continue sort of championing these little little agencies. I, like I don't it. know how little they are, but they um, they've done some great work. Cool, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my website of the week isn't really a website; it's an article, and it's about a book that's coming out. But it's really about the photographs of Philip. Butler, uh, who has taken these beautiful photographs of surviving Odeon cinemas. So these are the cinemas that were built or designed by Oscar Deutsch between 1928 and 1939. And it's that kind of art deco, streamlined, modern architectural style. Um, And I love them. Uh, We had had one in York, um, which is now an everyman cinema um so i was kind of brought up that was that's very much my idea of what a cinema should look like mm. um and i just i love this style and the book looks really really nice um so philip butler's book on Odeon cinemas and it's called what is it called is it gone uh Odeon relics 1930s icons in the 21st century. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, nice photography. Nice to see straight verticals. Thank mm. you. Yeah. Philip. Yeah. Very nice. Excellent stuff. Pies. It's going to be almost too hot to eat. So you go first, John. Okay. Well, mine. Mine was my daughter's dinner. So. Um, it's stone cold now. It's uh, just a plain old chicken and gravy pie from Tesco. Nice. Nothing complicated. It's like a football pie. Short crust top. It's all gone a bit gelatinous. Yeah, quite nice pastry. Um, Very peppery gravy. Chicken could be chicken. It's not bad. As a kind of cheap pie, I'm going to give that a good six. Mm. Yeah, it's better than most posh pies. Better well, than all those. Sometimes pies. they just try too hard, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so I have got a chicken and leek gastropub pie from Marks and Spencer's. Uh, flaky pastry. Um, it's gone very crisp. I don't know if it's it hasn't been in too long. Uh, so let me just. I fear for my tongue. Well, that's good. It's quite peppery, but the leeks. The leeks are really nice, sort of quite sweet. They've been sort of cooked uh, nicely. Um, chicken's good. Again, like a lot of chicken pies, it's a little bit taste of chicken soup. It's not a terrible thing. Um, that's good. I like the pepperiness of it. Lovely pastry. And lots and lots of leeks. 
which is what you want in a chicken and leek pie. Mm-hmm. That's going to get a uh, 7.83. Mm. Well, that's good. That's a good pie. Excellent. Um, so what have you got on your um, agenda for the rest of the week and the weekend? Well, I've got to finish a load of work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm decorating oh. the weekend. Oh, yeah. Papering, painting? I'm removing wallpaper okay. still. I started last weekend. I've um, pulled up floorboards and pulled some electrics out. Wow. Not knowing really what I was doing, so I had to call the old father-in-law over. Okay. Uh, there's a beer festival here on Saturday night. Oh, nice. Wild, crazy wilds of Four Marks yeah. Beer Festival. So I'm going there with our new neighbour. Last time we spoke, actually, you were about to go to Fourfest, weren't you? Oh, yeah. The How was it? Music highlight of my year. <laughs> it was It was quite good. Yeah. It was quite good. Oh, that's good. Uh, the, the kids enjoyed it, and um, they, she had lots of her friends there, so they did a lot of running around and dancing. And some of the bands were very strange. They were like uh, early 80s um, electronic tribute bands. That's not what you expect at a Extra- country fair. I know. <laughs> Playing Gary Newman. <laughs> How weird. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Apparently it's, it finished early because the generators ran out of petrol. <laughs> Uh, marvellous. What are you up to? You got weddings um, this week? Not a lot. We have no weddings this oh. week or next week. Lovely. Which is very nice. Uh, so Steph's got a couple of meetings, but nothing kind of really planned. So depending on the weather, I might try and get out in the park again. But that's about it. You thinking nice. about your uh, in- in- Inktober? Yeah. I, kind of, I like the idea of drawing all the houses of all the characters from um, Under Milkwood. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a nice idea. But it's not setting me on fire. Do you know what I mean? You've got to draw 31 of them. Yeah. So. Little scribbly um, spaceships. Yeah. Make your life easy and get back into drawing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what I should do. Mm. Yeah. Well, I never, you never know. I may join you. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted if you did, John. <laughs> right. Okay. We should say goodnight. Yes. That was good. I enjoyed episode 96. Yes, four to go, and then we can retire. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) All right, then, Rob. All right, John. Good to talk to you. You too. Bye. Bye.